So I'm turning now to Second Chronicles 36. And then also he asks us to, to be obedient to his word. And he promises blessings when we're obedient. And then when we are disobedient, he promises chastisement, which is the Bible's way of, of saying that God's a good heavenly father. And he blesses the obedient and he punishes and disciplines the disobedient because he's such a good and loving heavenly father. So in our lesson text for today, we're seeing that God is angry with his people. Let's just read a little bit of it, beginning at verse 15 and 16. And so in verse 15 there of chapter 36, Second Chronicles, And the Lord God of their fathers sent to them by his messengers, rising up betimes and sending, because he had compassion on his people and on his dwelling place. But they mocked the messengers of God and despised his words and misused his prophets until the wrath of the Lord arose against his people till there was no remedy. No remedy. So here we see our first heading, God's anger with his people. God's anger with his people. We oftentimes think of God as being a God of benevolence, right? A God of love and and kindness and mercy. But God is also a God of judgment and wrath and will punish uh, the the disobedient. Now, um, in a sense that He is God... We are people, and we think the worst thing that could possibly happen to us is that we could die. There are worse things that could happen in this world than our, than our death. But, but he is God, and when God became angry with his people, the nation Israel, he brought in foreign governments, foreign powers, foreign military leaders, and he brought them in to discipline his people. And there's a vivid description of the punishment upon his people. And... Uh, and we'll, we'll continue to read along in this, but we just have to remember this, that he is God, and we are not, and he is not only a God of benevolence, he's a God of wrath. So he gets angry, all right? Um, now, as we read there, and we're just going to take those two verses, verse 15 and verse 16, we're seeing how God used his prophets to instruct his people. So what came before this is that God had uh, given Israel kings, and, and we, we, we would read about the, the last king of Israel in this chapter. And what happened is that the kings did evil in God's sight and led the people of Israel to also do evil. And as a result, God would send prophets. So we're at the end of the period of the kings, and uh, we learned that God sends prophets to his people when they were disobedient and went into idolatry. And the prophets were like a mouthpiece. They, they spoke for God. So, or we could think of them like a speaker. So you had Israel going along the way, you know, in, in God's will. And they came to a fork in the road. This is the illustration in the book. And this fork in the road, they had two ways they could go. And this is true of, of any nation. And one way is God's way. And on God's path, there's a prophet who's like a speaker, he's like a voice for God, and 
this prophet, he's just a mouthpiece. And he's just saying, go God's way. So God's way leads to blessing. Now they could, they could go the way of blessing and obedience. Or they could go their own way. And this is what they did. They chose to go their own way. And this led to judgment. They had two ways that they could go. Either to obey, so obedience, or to go their own way to, to, to judgment. They could go back, and that also would lead to chastisement. They could just decide to go back. Um, but they decided to go their own way. There's only one path that would lead to blessing, is the, is the point of the author. And so this is God's call here. And God... God called his people through the prophets to, to obey his word. And then did they do it? No. And, and like we've studied, you know, on Wednesday nights, there's always been a remnant of believing Israel inside of, you know, when we say apostate, apostate Israel, just is disobedient Israel. Then you had a remnant of believing Israel that, that, that were obedient um, but as a whole, no, they did not obey the prophets. And God sent his prophets because he loved the people. And he loved the temple in Jerusalem, it says. Lord God of his fathers sent his messengers, rising up betimes, because he had compassion on his people and on his dwelling place. So God wanted to preserve his temple. Now, the temple was like a special place that marked the presence of God. He put his name there. And so God did have a temple, a house of worship. And, and when Israel disobeyed and God sent in an invading army, it was under Nebuchadnezzar and it was the Babylonians, they went into Israel and they destroyed the city and they went into the temple and defiled the temple and the holy place. And so God was trying to prevent that. And his way of doing it was to send prophets. But the people were so complacent. You know, and just, uh, ah, it's no big deal. I don't have to obey God. If I disobey God, there's no consequences. They didn't heed the warning of the prophets, and they, they were arrogant. <clears throat> if you think about one of the ways to define arrogancy for, for a believer is to think that we can just disobey God's word and that we won't have to answer for it. We think we can just... Some people think they can just do what they want and they will get away with it. Why was God <clears throat> removing Israel from their land? Does anybody remember uh, the reason why? Why did God remove them from their land and remove them, here's a, here's a hint, for 70 years? Yeah. Yeah. Right. So, and Donna, that's what you were saying, right? That every seventh year, they were supposed to let the the ground lie fallow, and not plant or you know, try to harvest anything on it. Let it rest. It's God's land, you know. That's what He told them to do. And they just thought, well, we'll just go right on through that and just keep making a profit, and we can do what we want, right? Yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah. I Yeah. Yeah. And so the, the scriptures told him to do that. And then the prophets would tell them, you're disobeying God. And, and they would just reject the prophets, say, we can do what we want and we can get away with it, but you can't get away with nothing with God. Payday comes someday. And the Bible says that we reap what we sow. And so God took them out of the land for exactly 70 years. And it's amazing because that's because they had let 70 Sabbath years go and they should have let the ground fallow and so that the land could get its rest, showing us that we get away with nothing, with, with disobedience with God. And also shows us that, that God came to judge his people and was angry with them and he had several things in mind when he was angry. It wasn't just one thing. So whenever God does something, whenever God chastens a nation, uh, he has a lot of different things in mind that he's going to do. And we can't understand all those things in the mind of God. But what he does hold us to is what we know to do. What we know to do is right. And so when we reject the servants of God, we actually reject God himself. And God, of course, was not going to put up with it then, and God does not put up with it today, right? Um. So, there's a time when God's patience runs out. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And there's a judgment coming on this world, and uh, this world will get away with nothing. You know, there's, there is a time of reckoning. And, yes. In verse 16, they mocked the messengers of God, despised his word, and misused his prophets until the wrath of the Lord arose against his people till there was no remedy. So there comes a point where God says there's no going back. There's no remedy. You chose to go this way and God brings judgment. And only the Lord knows when that is going to happen. And so what does God give to us today? He gives us the word of God and he gave us his son to speak to us. He gave us the apostles to speak to us. And he gives us pastors and teachers today to teach us the word, to show us you know, our, our uh, responsibility and so on and what it means and how it applies to our life. Now, our text tells us that the people scoffed at the prophets of God and it made him angry. So what do you think happens in a society when we just totally disregard God? What do you think is in our own society in America... What do you think will happen when we disregard God? Okay. That's some really good insight. Yeah. Um, Dave is saying that we, we dabble with the things of God like Israel did in the Old Testament, which is so true. Um, 
they call it syncretism, the, the, the fancy word for it, which means that you can have God and kind of have him on the shelf, and then you can have some other idols up there. And while we don't worship images, we definitely have idols. And so, like, they had a little bit of God, all that they wanted, and then they had everything else that they wanted too, and God wasn't going to share his glory with anybody. And today in America and our churches, I do, I do absolutely think that. I think what people do and what, you know, we're all guilty of this uh, from time to time. What we do is we cherry pick the, what we want to obey and we disregard the rest. And that's, you know, I think we all go through a period where we, the Lord shows that to us, that you're only obeying what you want to obey. And so there, there are, there are, you know, what we're doing in our society now. It's coming up before God, and and, and like we read about Gentile nations in the Bible, where it just says that that their their iniquities weren't full. I think is the wording. Their iniquities weren't full yet, but it gets to a point where God does bring judgment. And America is not. Um, what do you think of the consequences that we face? In disregarding God, because we know that we do as a nation. Yeah. Judgment may be in the form of, you know. Uh, mm-hmm. Yep, having an enemy infiltrate our country and things like that. It's, uh, it's scary to think about, ain't it? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. It it is it is uh, it's frightening to think about it. Really, it is. Yep. And so, are we as a nation in danger of God's wrath today? Absolutely. Yep. Yeah. Yes. Yep. Mm. Mm. Mm-hmm. Yes, amen. Yeah, and just one to bring up here, and it's it's just, uh, well, I even hesitate to bring it up. Like, well, leaders, for example, giving us bad leaders, foolish policies, and all those kind of things. That's uh, that absolutely is a form of chastisement. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm not in the preaching mode right now, but you know, uh, STDs. That's a judgment upon our country. Um, yeah. Absolutely. So, inflation and all that. Um, mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. Well, let's uh, let's continue on verse seventeen. Um, therefore. He brought upon them the king of the Chaldees. This is the Lord's 
punishment now. This is our next heading. Moving on from God's anger with his people now to his punishment. He's bringing Nebuchadnezzar in there. And who slew their young men with the sword in the house of their sanctuary. Going into the temple. And had no compassion upon young man or maiden. Old man or him that stooped for age. He gave them all into his hand. And all the vessels of the house of God, great and small, all the treasures of the house of the Lord, and the treasures of the king and of his princes, all these he brought to Babylon. And they burnt the house of God, uh, and break down the wall of Jerusalem, and burn all the palaces thereof with fire, and destroyed all the goodly vessels thereof. And them that escaped, you know... Uh, the the sword carried he away to Babylon, so they were carried away, exiled, They're prisoners, where they were servants to him and his sons until the reign of the kingdom of Persia. So we know it's it was for seventy years when this happened. They finally got to go back in five thirty nine B.C. The <clears throat> the author says. So we read in scripture that the Lord very often uses Israel's enemies to punish them. It tells us two things about the Lord. Uh, First, God will punish his people. He absolutely will. Um, And then the second thing it tells us is that God is in control of even his enemies. So God's in control of everything. And uh, we, we should recognize that. And then what is happening in our country with our enemies coming in and the rest of the world thinking that we're a joke because of our president and so on, these things, God is in control of these things. Can it be turned around? Yes. Yes, we have to be hopeful that it can be turned around. Um, But as we read, there comes a point where there is no remedy uh, for these things and no, no return. And so God is absolutely sovereign. Now, that's a word that I don't use that much because it's associated with uh, hyper-Calvinism. Um, but what it means is that God is in complete control. God is in authority. It, they, they, they will try to say about that word sovereign that, you know, if I take this pen and I drop it on the floor, that's because it was foreordained from before the foundation of the earth that, it, that I would drop that pen. And God knew that I would. And God somehow works along with my free will to do it. And so they say that everything that happens, including, you know, uh, burglars coming into your home and robbing you and, and everything else, it is all foreordained according to God's, God's will and all of that. And that's, that's, uh, that's not, yeah, it's predestination and that's not true. That's hyper-Calvinism. Um, and so there are consequences for living in this world. We live in a sinful world, in a fallen world, um, and so on, but... But God's sovereignty is absolutely biblical, and we should recognize it. He is king. He's in control of everything. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Amen. Yeah, that reminded me of the war in Israel and the Hamas and all that too. Did anyone else uh, think of Hamas and all that when they read verse 17? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And so uh, the Chaldean people, 
were, were obviously from Babylon, and Nebuchadnezzar was their king. Um, his army is raiding Judah and doing everything, destroying everything in their path. And this is, is uh, definitely vivid. Um, the healthy and the sick die. Riches of the temple being carried away and all of that. That's the end of temple worship until the temple is rebuilt. But all of that is very vivid. And yes, uh, I would absolutely, you know, if you say that is horrible, that's terrible. What happened there? It is horrible. And it is terrible. And again, God is not just a God of love, but God is also a God of judgment and God of wrath. And so, mm-hmm. they do, they do. And we would do well to fear. Um, so as a, as a preacher, as a minister, you know, representing these things, my job is to say, thus saith the Lord. And that's, that's pretty much it. Um, my job is to tell people, you know, it's, you better receive the bread of life or, or you'll be burnt toast, you know, and those are the facts. Uh, God is a great God of love and mercy. His mercy endureth forever. But when it comes time, uh, for God to bring judgment, uh, then the judgments are severe. So now, can you put yourself into the shoes of these people? And can you think of what it would be like for an invading army to come in and to conquer your, your people? To come in to kill people around you? Maybe you're running, you're, you're fleeing from the, uh, the men with the swords and you're hiding, and maybe you, you make it out alive, but then you're carried away as a slave and as a servant to the greatest power in all the world. Can you imagine how that would feel? Maybe to be carried away by Hamas, you know, and then to be released. Like, have you, you've seen the news reports about certain people being released, children, people of all ages, uh, children as well as, as the older are, are some released right now and all the stuff that they're dealing with, all, the, all the, the trauma because of that. Can you imagine just putting your sho- yourself into those shoes? What would it be like? Um, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, but, you know... If judgment comes on this country, Christians will endure the judgment as well. Yep. Yep, absolutely. Praying for the rapture. But again, we think that the worst thing that could possibly happen to us is death. But there's something far worse. And that is to be under God's eternal judgment. And, uh, you know, that's the only thing I can say, I think, that that would help us at, at that point. Yes. Like that happens yeah. Yes. Mhm. Yeah. You know, and, and you read stories like about people being taken captive maybe in World War II or or in accounts of Christian persecution um and maybe you have some people who are taken captive and they're saved and they know they're saved and that heaven is their home and then there's other people who are lost those people will actually that are saved will be sacrificial 
and trying to protect the lost people and trying to witness to them and so on because we know that we're going to heaven um, and so on. But, uh, boy, it's just to try to put yourself into their shoes and think what that might be like. Uh, then, uh, then finally, uh, we're going to finish up just this chat, this portion of Scripture in verse 21 and not go to Psalm 137. But to fulfill the word of the Lord by the mouth of Jeremiah, so just as his prophet, his mouthpiece had spoken, until the land had enjoyed her Sabbaths, for as long as she lay desolate, she kept Sabbath to fulfill threescore and ten years. So after the destruction... Those who were left behind uh, were taken into captivity, and the blessings of God were gone now, and everything was gone in an instant, you know. Um, and in our society today, we're also in danger of losing our blessings, and some of that chastisement, I think, will come in the form of losing freedom of speech, will be losing freedoms that we have enjoyed. You know, what did we do with the freedoms while we had them? Um, but the lessons are already here in Scripture for us to heed these things, the author is saying. So, one final question. Do you think there's a possibility that we could lose, actually lose our freedoms in this country? Do you, do you, do you go along with that, or do you kind of doubt it? And if so, uh, what do you think we can do about it? What do you think Christians in this land, like, Christians of all sorts. There are socialists in this country who want to end democracy, and uh, they're, they're going to use the youth to take away our rights. Uh, absolutely. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So Dave is saying we could we could vote, absolutely, and only a third of the country we think is actually voting. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, and I, I guess I would, I would say, prayer. Prayer. Yeah, and being a good witness. You know, being obedient ourselves and continuing to support Israel and all these things that we talk about from time to time. But, but prayer and personal revival, that's what we should seek first. So, all right, well, let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, we thank you for this lesson. Pray that you'd bless in the, the following hour. And uh, God, I pray that you'd help us as a country. You'd have mercy upon us and help your people. Lord, to bring us to true heart revival in Jesus' name. Amen.